When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a hand break off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. I'm joined this morning by Amy Lawrence and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Hello, Ian. <laughs> You know what? The sun's still shining. As Mark Antony said at the end of the Battle of Actium, I watched Rome the other day, water still tastes sweet, nay, is what he said. And I sort of understand that, even after a defeat. And I get that. I get that because right now, by the way, we wake up on this fine and chilly morning to find Arsenal two points clear at the top of the table and they'll qualify for the Champions League. I mean, I know if I'd have said that at the start of the season, if I'd read that that sentence out at the end of April, if I'd have said that's what we were, where we'd be... You'd have bitten my end off, right? But we know what happened last night. So before we get into it, I was going to ask, do you believe in miracles? Adrian, do you believe in miracles? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Footballing miracles are always uh, always possible. It's never over till it's over. And we've seen it so many times over the years, not necessarily involving us, but you've seen miraculous successes and failures um so yeah no i do believe in miracles um but whether i believe in 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 one for us <laughs> this season is another thing um i think yeah it's it's as i think the supercomputer has it about right what do they say nine percent eight percent um that's where we're at yeah amy what about you i i i feel like you want to but you stop yourself sometimes no i absolutely believe in miracles i just don't always talk about it oh okay <laughs> i believe in believe- miracles but i'm not sure how much i believe in this particular miracle anymore but uh fundamentally um i'm absolutely i think you cannot go through life fearing the worst uh well you can but god it must be miserable no i've been lucky enough to see miracles so i think when you've actually seen one michael thomas then you know if you don't believe you (laughs) you don't ever learn anything about life the impossible is sometimes possible yeah it'd be a lot it'd be a lot more possible without erling arland bloody hell but anyway (laughs) well yeah yeah well there's a few there's a few of them that we can talk about um do I believe in miracles? Well, I, I'm sort of with you guys that, yes, I do. Uh, I have been ridiculously optimistic all season. Um, <laughs> it's being sorely tested at this point, I'll be honest with you, my optimism. But you never know, dear. You? you never know with football. That's, that's part of the reason we love the game. It's because mad, mad shit happens, essentially. It does, doesn't it? It does. Um uh, whether the mad shit will happen this year, uh, I have my doubts. And I agree with you, Adrian, the super cute, the supercomputer. It's given us 9%, is it, by the way, the supercomputer? I think it needs somebody needs to bang it 
Is it 8%? Oh, it's 8%. 8%. <laughs> Abby's just, it, it's given us 8%. Somebody needs to bang it on the top like one of those old tellies. Do you remember when they went wrong? Give it a couple of wax. <laughs> you should do that. Well, me, and, me, me and Nick Bright. Turn it off and turn Nick it on Bright again. On the, exactly. <laughs> on the show last night, we said... Uh, at the end of the season, if um, this this blooming supercomputer that was predicting that we had a great chance a few weeks ago, we just want to smash it up at the end of the season. Um, if if it's not to be for us, just yeah, it'd be great therapy, I think, just to just smash the living daylights out of it. Maybe there could be a sort of a um, at the Emirates, like in front of everyone on the last day of the season, some kind of. Like like when you when you try and sort of do something to end a curse, you know, a ceremonial um, destruction. Maybe all the players could get you know kick the crap out of the supercomputer. And, I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. Or maybe just chicken's blood. That usually that's what is usually involved in it. Uh, all over the supercomputer, and then uh, as you say, smash the living daylights out of it. Anyway, uh, it does give us an eight percent chance. Um, Mikel Arteta said this is after last night Manchester City 4 Arsenal 1 it doesn't really tell the story of the game to be honest because it could have been more than that uh, Mikel Arteta said I don't know what will be required to win the title we have to lift the players up because they're suffering it's a difficult one to swallow um, Amy I mean we're all suffering after what happened last night because we've seen the gap haven't we mm. yeah I think that's <sighs> that's been the harshest reality check of all really um because how you do over 38 games and an entire league season with the kind of dilution of individual situations into this kind of great uh, bigger picture is one thing but um the realization that you know to have such a chasm really between first and second is a little bit frightening for everybody i'd say uh i would also add that i think it's very very unfortunate in terms of the timing of the two fixtures against Man City in the league this season. They've both happened to have come. When you look through um, all the fixtures and all the results, there's there's huge chunks of the seasons, season where Arsenal go WWWWW, you know, and there are two chunks of the seasons where it goes DL, DD or whatever, and Man City have come up when in both cases, the preceding two or three weeks have been poor uh, and people have not had that freedom to play as they like to play. There's obviously just been a, a kind of lull in terms of confidence, in terms of the, the strategy and uh, the, the way the players feel at one with the way that they're playing and their teammates. It's taken a knock. And for that to happen ahead of both matches against Man City, instead of theoretically at a point of the season when... Things were, you know, were flowing and going well is a, a bit of a shame. And I think that probably contributed to the chasm. I think there are other points of the season where the game and the result would not have felt so emphatic. And and one more thing, Amy. Um, I saw uh, James Gunnerblog did a, um, a piece last night on the whistle when he talked about the fact that the, the, the Manchester City looming large you know, coming up affected the games beforehand. He said he talked about the fact that when we played them the first time, we lost to Everton, we drew with Brentford, we probably should have won it, but it wasn't a great performance. And then this time we we blew the game at Liverpool and West Ham and Southampton because they were coming. Do you think there's something in that? I think only the players can really answer that. Uh, I don't know what goes on inside everybody's heads. I, I'm sure that they've been 
drilled and primed to think one game at a time. I mean, that's been the mantra of the season. And I'm sure that that has been absolutely what's been being said behind closed doors. Now, when they go home and are on their own uh, in their darkest thoughts in the middle of the night, if they're thinking about different things, only they can tell us. But I don't think that they would have been sort of consciously thinking about the Man City game against Liverpool or or, uh, or Southampton or West Ham. Uh, maybe subconsciously, but certainly not consciously, I don't think. Adrian, they do. there is a bit of a mental brick wall when it comes to City uh, now. Uh, they've won 12 consecutive Premier League matches against Arsenal, um, an aggregate score of 33-5. I mean, we can't, we can't get near them, really. No, it's a horrible start, isn't it? Because a lot of teams, a lot of bang average teams have taken off, taken points off of Manchester City on numerous occasions during that sort of ensuing period. So it is hard to understand. Um, you have to put it down to a slight mental situation in terms of a, a fragility there, maybe an inferiority complex. I don't know what it is. Or maybe it's a stylistic thing where where we go and play our way and, and City just are, are able to to prey on our weaknesses. Um, I agree with Amy about the timing of the fixtures, but it is what it is. Um, the I'm just so frustrated that we didn't show the best of ourselves in this match. We were so far away from the best of ourselves that it's almost tragic because if we bring our A game to that match, even against Manchester City's A game, it's a competitive fixture, but it, what this wasn't competitive. Um, Mikel Arteta said we needed a perfect performance. A lot of people, myself included, were saying we need eights and nines, at, you know, across the board. And, and what we got were fives, and 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 that that is the that is the great frustration. Um, I'm sure we can beat City in the near future, but maybe we have to do things differently. I, we'll get into the tactics of it. I'm sure, I'm sure in a moment, but I think in midfield we didn't get it right, and we certainly didn't perform in this match. No. No, well, the midfield is, it seems to be where the game was won and lost. I mean, I understand that Haaland is a monster and I don't know what you do <laughs> about him. But I guess the thing is, Adrian, is stopping the supply line, really. And, and their midfield, you know, Gundogan and Rodri and De Bruyne, um, I mean, these are three high, high quality players. Um, yeah. I mean. Yeah, but if we play our game properly, we. And. and, and you know, nail a game plan that we can be competitive against them. We just didn't. Um, six minutes in the first goal, that that is the game state changer. That goal doesn't... You know, we started the game okay. We're pressing, we're looking to be aggressive, assertive. And then they, you know, they go long to Haaland. He holds the ball up brilliantly. Nothing, by the way, that Rob Holding can do about that. So any criticism of him is just scapegoating. It's what happens next. And it's Thomas Partey getting nowhere near tracking Kevin De Bruyne. And this happened four, five, six times in the game. And, and Thomas is athletic. We've seen, we've seen him make those recovery sprints to mop up danger. In this match, he was jogging. Um, I just think he couldn't have been right. There must have been a fitness issue with Thomas Partey in this game because... He was, I think, slower than half pace. He looked lost, didn't he? He looked lost. Amy, you wanted to say something. You wanted to add something to what Adrian was saying. Um, 
Sorry, you I had did, your hand up. But so. yeah, but he was okay. speaking so well that I kind of got you know swept along by your point. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, let I me did... ask you about let me ask you about Thomas Partey then, really, because he's been so immense for us on a number of occasions this year. But as Adrian said, he did look lost. Really, he looked. I mean, he was really struggling. Um, when I was sort of comparing him, I watched that game last night, and I know everyone talked about De, ha- uh, De Bruyne and Haaland. I think if you swap Rodri for Thomas Partey, we got a chance of winning that game. Oh, I don't know. But I mean, clearly the midfield wasn't right. And uh, I think it's obvious that that's an area to pinpoint. But I wonder whether it's a bit more extensive than just last night and that actually maybe the midfield hasn't been right for the last four matches for whatever reason. Because that vulnerability, um, that propensity for making you know, individual errors that are unexpected. I mean, even the ball from Erdegaard, which gave away one of the goals, was like, when's he done that this season? (laughs) Not terribly often. Um, And it just feels like... And and one of the things that I thought I wondered about, um, you know, we can all be captain hindsight and very clever after the event. And and it's all hypothetical because we don't know if playing at this formation or that formation instead would have made much difference the way that City were and generally the way that Arsenal were. But Kevin De Bruyne talked about using this kind of unusual double pivot, like actually f- for them and, and, and as, a, as, a, as a sort of springboard. And Arteta has persisted with the idea of the single pivot with Thomas Partey the whole of the season. And it's been part of why Arsenal have flourished so much when things have been going well. You know, there are horses for courses. Could this have been a, 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 an argument for a different strategy, a bit more solidity, um, rather than just thinking we can go and play our normal game against them? And in fact, probably... <sighs> When you look at the points that City do drop occasionally now and again, it's often against more direct teams and teams that are not trying to play like them. You know, if you try and play like Man City, but you're not as good as them, then nine times out of ten, you're probably not going to profit. If you try and ask different questions and have a different approach, and also are not set up to go any other way. We haven't really got those players. And it would be mad to suddenly go, all right, let's go route one. Um, City, to their credit incredibly fortunate that they can play this hybrid you know as they showed yesterday and yes they can have incredible patterns and possession football but they can also hit you in a much more powerful direct way and I did wonder also just when you're looking ahead to what happens next and possible recruitment and whatever whether there is an argument and Adrian and I we talked about this anyway like last summer but for a you know somebody in the centre forward ranks to be a more powerful presence. Just because like you know, time, if it's good it? enough yeah, for yeah, Man City, then it should be good enough for anyone who's trying to compete with them. And I think I think there has to be a an alternative for the for the difficult games when you can't play your pretty patterns. It's not happening. We don't score that first goal that City did because yeah. we don't have someone to hit with that longer exactly. pass. It's it's as simple as that. And a Manchester City like Southampton. And like West Ham, actually, in the previous game, pressed us and suffocated us and forced mistakes from us. And when that's happening, when you're not quite at it in terms of the pop, 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 we're going to slice slice you open, which we're not at the moment, then you've got to go from back to front. You've got to be able to have that that outlet and 
I don't have one. Well, all we've got to do is find someone who's like Erling Haaland, right? That's it, isn't it, really? Just an Erling Haaland type player. There's loads of them about, obviously. We just go, go somewhere in Scandinavia. I'm sure we'll pick a couple. We'll probably get a couple, can't we? <laughs> that would be great. Um, I mean, we can talk a, few, a bit about individuals. Uh, I think we've said that the midfield is where the game was lost because in the end we didn't have the ball and we couldn't get it to our dangerous players. Martinelli had, what, 11 touches in the entire game? Saka hardly got the ball and when he did Jack Grealish kept coming back and doubling up on him um, I mean I'm not quite sure what else to say about this game to be honest I mean I've seen <laughs> no no I'm, I'm because I, I, I people were disappointed I think neutrals were disappointed last night because they wanted to see a sort of game like they saw a couple of seasons ago or last season when Liverpool took on Man City but Liverpool Adrian play a very different game and they can play their natural game against Man City because it's a good contrast to styles yeah, I, th- I think we just lost belief, didn't we, after that first goal? Because we didn't press the same way again. We, what We pressed properly in that instance, but just left Thomas on his own a little bit too much. It was, you know, De Bruyne and Haaland, those two were sort of up against our three and they got the better of them. Um, they were isolated. What we needed to do was, was shrink the space and, and crowd it more. Um, but yeah, they, we didn't press very well and they, they, they sliced through us with pretty much ease throughout the game. And then whenever we, we had the ball, they, they suffocated us with their press and they, they won the ball back from us in, in good areas. That, I think, is the main story of the game. I think Captain Hindsight, Amy's mate, um, <laughs> would have picked Jorginho <laughs> alongside Thomas Partey and said, Granite, you, you, you've been great this season, um, but you've been unwell this week. We're going to go with something different here. We're going to sit two in front of the back four. We, we're going to keep six six in, in place. Uh, we're going to have zero space where De Bruyne can go and do his thing. And we're going to uh, not press as high up the pitch, but we're going to um, drop off into the mid block. And when City come into midfield, that's when we're going to hassle them uh, in a crowded area. That's what Captain Hindsight would, would say if he was to approach the game again. We didn't do that. And um, all of that space that Haaland and De Bruyne had running at our centre-halves where they're backpedalling over and over again happens because the game stretched. And, and not many teams actually allow the game to get that stretched against City because they play defensively. And we opted not to. And I think if you look back, if you, look back you say we should have been a bit more defensive Um and it could have made us more competitive in the match. Amy, that's why he does the breakdown, right? That's because he knows his shit, doesn't he, Adrian, there? That's what, that stuff that he just said there. You were nodding along. I was nodding along to your nodding as well. Why didn't, why didn't Mikel Arteta do that? Has he been too tired? I'm asking you this question. Has he been too tired to the first team, to that first 11? You know he hasn't made a lot of changes. Does he need a bit more flexibility? I don't don't know. Look, he's still a very young manager. You know, he's up against, in this particular case, uh, not only one of the people that he learnt from, but somebody who is a serial winner uh, with a phenomenal team and a freak. You know, it's it's pretty (laughs) tough going in any event. I'd like to think that come the summer... I think Mikel has learnt more on the job than people credit him for. I think the manager who turned up, whatever, two and a half, was it two and a half years ago? I don't know, time goes straight. I can't figure out time anymore. Um, but yeah, not that long ago. He he was very, very set in his ways and he had very strong ideas about what he did and didn't want. Um, 
you know, absorbing lessons along the way and realising what he can or do, what the risks are. Um, those are things that is a, a changeable feast for him still, you know. He's still two and a half years into management and he's he's put together a team that has topped the league for virtually the entire season. But there are things that haven't been perfect and he will learn from that. I'm really confident. I still think there's work to do on substitutions. I still think, you know, changing the game mid-match, changing strategies, you know, a bit more flexibility is is another step. And But going back a year or two, you, you would have said to yourself, there are things he needed to, needed to kind of know about man management and dealing with people and I think he's improved a lot on that front so it's just part of his process yeah I completely agree he's, he's, he's been brilliant but it's yeah he's, he's evolving as a, as a head coach isn't he I think one thing he'll have he'll have to learn next year is is to peak at the right time of the season now to do that obviously Manchester City are absolute you know masters of getting themselves into the home straight with their players quite fresh. And obviously, because they've got uh, a far bigger budget than us, um, they have much more strength and depth. That allows them the opportunity to do that. But I think because Mikel has had to be married to the first 11 this season, they've had a lot of minutes under their belts, a lot. And I just feel that, that City looked fresher mentally and physically in the game than we did and, and, and next year obviously with the Champions League commitments um, it's going to be a trickier balance but but that's something that I think we, we will find along the way we do, we need a bigger squad not a huge squad never not like a Chelsea squad we don't ever want that but we definitely need a big enough squad full of quality players so that they come to March April with a little bit left in the tank um, and I think I think that's where we suffered a little bit in this game as well and City are just amazing. They're probably going to win the treble. It's yeah. they're, they're a sensational team. Let's not forget they are uh, an outstanding team. Certainly, certainly the, one of the best in Europe. And um, uh, yeah, oh, they're the best. It's no, yeah. uh, it's no um, shame to get beaten by them uh, twice, three times actually this season. Um, but as you said, we have qualified for the Champions League. So um, <laughs> I know it got lost a little bit. <laughs> in what happened yesterday, but Brighton getting beaten by Forrest means we do qualify for the Champions League, which is where we wanted to be. Uh, what we'll do after the break in the pod is we'll discuss what happens next, not just Chelsea, but how we move forward. Uh, this is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ian Stone, Amy Lawrence, and Adrian Clark here on Handbrake Off. So, um, we've got Chelsea. Coming up next, they lost last night again. They haven't scored a goal in about a year, as far as I can tell. <laughs> They've got uh, 27 attacking midfielders and not one forward. Um, it's going to be a bit of a tense affair, I would have thought, Amy, on uh, Tuesday. We need to get back on the horse. They obviously haven't been playing very well. Um, they haven't been anywhere near their horse. They haven't. They, they <laughs> didn't. They buy another four holding horses <laughs> just to fill in the gap. You know, they haven't even been near their horse. You're absolutely right. Well, um, do you think that Mikel Arteta should change it up a little bit? A few different personnel. I thought Reese Nelson looked uh, useful when he came on last night. I'd like to see him get a start. Do you think Trossard should get a start instead of Jesus? What do you think? Yeah, I think I think changing it up maybe isn't a bad move, apart from anything else, just changing the kind of psychology of it. I did wonder whether that was something that might have been potentially advantageous in the City game, to not throw out exactly the same uh, back four and same kind of, you know, format that has been wobbly in the last games previous, just so that you feel psychologically that things are a bit different. So, yeah, I think there are a few people who who probably merit a run out. Um, I was also so thrilled in, again, nearly got lost in the middle of it all to see Emil Smith throw on the pitch, you know, um, and just the way he moves and uh, the way he, he runs around and that kind of alertness that he has again, in very difficult circumstances, but really a pleasure to see. And I, I, I probably being hopelessly optimistic, but I would be very happy if in the next five matches he gets a decent amount of game time uh, and shows what he can do in this team as well because otherwise I'm slightly worried about what comes next for him. Yeah. Um, Adrian, what do you think in terms of changes? They do want to change it, don't they, really? It seems like the right time to do it. Yeah, just in like what I said, really, just just a few of them. It feels like the tank's a little bit empty at the moment. I don't know who. I mean, it's it is a funny one because I don't think many of us, or hardly anyone, disagrees with Mikel Arteta's strongest eleven. I think it's it does pick itself, but yeah, sometimes you just need to just do something different, give some other people a chance, um, and hope that they they take that opportunity. If you remember the Chelsea game that that, that transformed the campaign where we we're in relegation trouble. Mikel Arteta changed things up, didn't he? And he went with the younger guys like Smith Rowe and Saka and and they delivered. So, so yeah, it, it can definitely work. I think Trossard's earned it and and Nelson has looked good. Um, but he did look good in this game off the bench and, and actually off the bench against Southampton as well. So, yeah, those two are in the frame. 
who do you leave out? Maybe I don't know. It, it, I think I would leave Thomas Partey out of the team for the next game purely based on form um, as well. I would just I would let Jorginho have that have that job. Um, it just it feels to me it's like he needs ninety minutes off. Um, yeah, for for whatever the reason is, I don't know what it is, but he 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 was a million miles away from being right in that game. So I would change that. And and going beyond the game against Chelsea on Tuesday, we got five games left this season. Um, I mean, I I saw John Cross from the Daily Mirror did a a piece to camera after the game, and he was talking about how he he's slightly concerned about the mental scars going forward if we don't pick up in the next five games, if we don't start getting results and, and finish reasonably strongly. is Would you share that, Amy, in any way? I don't know. Um, I think this is a very specific circumstance. Like you said, that the actual goal from the season has been met in terms of a Champions League qualification. Six games early. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, you know, in all probability, unless there's a complete collapse finishing second place to an unbelievably good team, which is ahead of schedule for most people's pre-season predictions. Um, We've also seen, we've been blessed to see some wonderful matches, some wonderful football, some, uh, the the reigniting and the, the, the absolute kind of flourishing flames of that love affair beginning again between you know, the team and the club and the fans and so on and so forth. And I just think it would be mad to turn around and and say all this season's progress is going to be, you know, very damaged if Arsenal fall away. Uh, Hopefully that's not the case. It might not be incredible from here on in, but I I, I don't think that the team are going to completely, completely fall apart. No, no. And I I agree with you and I... And, and nor should they. What about, one more question, what about the emotion of the whole thing? Adrian, you were talking about how there's lessons need to be learned and how that little they had in the tank. Was that because of the amount of emotion in the games? It seemed like a, it seemed like a bit of a roller coaster emotionally this season. When you looked at Man City, there's something very brutal and pragmatic about them. I mean, they're, they're good to watch. I like watching them and they've got some great players. But they don't seem... Rodri, for example, doesn't seem like an over-emotional guy to me. <laughs> no, um, but it's part of the journey, isn't it? You don't go from being a fifth to eighth place side to being a title contender and do it with, with ice-cool efficiency, with, with you know steamrolling opponents every week. I think that's just way too much to ask. I think that, that the emotion has been a positive, really, this season in the way that it's charged us up and in moments of adversity we have responded really really well it, it's never going to be a per yeah never, never going to be a perfect season um but yeah it might have taken a bit out of us in answer to your question it might have done but it's it's one of the reasons why city uh you know are 92% likely to win the the, the premier league this season compared to us so yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just one of those things. One of the reasons, aside from the um, large amounts of spondulies they spent as well, that also probably helped. <laughs> and it's and, and it. By the way, we're really biased on this on this show, and you know, well, the people that listen to this, but it, it isn't good for the Premier League, is it? Uh, you know, I think that. But it wouldn't have been a title race, but for us, by the way, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the gap between 
us and City and the rest is is cavernous, which is really bad for the division. Um, you know, and this is a City team that that have been charged for various things. You know, we don't know what's going to come of it, but it, yeah, it's. I think it's a real shame for the for English football and the Premier League actually that what happened last night in in for many reasons. Yeah. Um... Okay, let's have. Um, we're not going to dwell this morning. Let's have a. Well, I don't think there's any reason to, is there? Really, let's have a song uh, before we go. Uh, Adrian, I'll come to you first. <laughs> oh, a lot of sad songs out there that came into my thinking here. <laughs> Keep it light, Adrian. Keep it light. Bit of cheese. REM. Everybody need. hurts yeah, was yeah, in there, yeah. but go I'm going. I've, I've gone with a very simple one. Bad day, Daniel Powter. But the lyrics, the first, the first few lines. Where, where is the moment we needed the most? You kick up the leaves and the magic is lost. They tell me your blue skies faded to grey. I mean, it kind of fits the bill, doesn't it? Um, we did have a bad day, um, but yeah. We'll have a lot more good days, I'm sure of that. I've gone for Saint-Étienne and only love can break your heart because if we all feel a bit sad, it's because we do love them. And we it's do good love to love them. them still. Of course we do. And we're going to show them how much we love them on Tuesday night. Uh, I've gone for uh, Sam Cook. A change is going to come because I believe it is. It might not be this season, although miracles do happen. <laughs> but at some point, a change is going to come. Uh, that's it for the podcast this week we're back after the Chelsea game next week thanks to Amy Lawrence thanks to Adrian Clark thank you to Abby our producer and uh, enjoy as best you can the rest of your day and your week see you